welcome to a smog-covered glass box in central London for episode 5 of Doncaster Rovers fanzine podcast, Podular Stand. My name's Dan Wilson, editor of the now actual award-winning fanzine, Popular Stand, and as they say, you should never change a winning team. I feel it's just as important to show faith in an average one too. Uh, so with me once again, uh, editor of the London Economic, Jack P. All right, Jack? Yeah, good evening. Good evening, mate. Uh, also joining us is former enemy features editor, James McMahon. That was the peak of my achievements at the New Musical Express. Oh, good. Correct. Well, I would start by looking back at what was uh, an incredibly successful and ruthlessly effective uh, January for Rovers. So five five games played, five games won. And I think that the question to us really is just just how bloody good is this, this Rovers team? Bloody good, I'd say. I mean, I think that I reflected on last year. I mean, it's not, it's, just, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a rubbish parallel, really. But still, if you if you look at goals scored, for example, straight off three back to uh, three back to back three one wins, then you know that was that was then a three 0 win over um, over Yeovil. Eight we've won eight of the last ten, um, and we've got the best five aside team in England. Quick I mean, to come on to that one. Yeah, I mean that's assuming that you like your five aside teams to not have a goalkeeper. Yeah, but as we'll discuss later, yeah. we might have even filled that slot as well. But um, yeah, compared to last year, I think we'd scored 10 goals in 16 games this time of year. Yeah. You say compared to last year, statistically, because since you've thrown a few out, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw some out of my own. Um, just to show that it looks like some of us have done some, not no disrespect, James, some of us have done some research. Um, 61 points, 58 goals from 28 games. That is exactly the same as we managed from the entirety of the 2014-15 season from all 46 games. And it's 15 points and 10 goals more <laughs> that we managed throughout last season with, what is that, 18 games still to play. Well, what what I remember was, and we brought it up in a, a, a previous um, a podcast, is, is the 3-0 win over Southend. Yeah. And at that point, saying the playoffs are there. Yeah. And that's not, you know, unforeseeable that we mm. could do that. And then going on, it was just a, one of the most hideous runs runs in our history. And then to be sitting on the sort of form that we're on right now, in answer to your question, means that I think that we're, we're, we're pretty, sitting pretty rosy at the moment. For me, it's um, the fact we've stopped. I mean, we still look like we can concede silly goals, but we, we're not conceding silly goals. Yeah. But on that side. Barnet aside, but uh, but you know even that was just a one, you know. Yeah, true. Um, I think at the back we we look a lot better, and it, it's that that actually would make me tentatively say that we are probably the greatest team on earth. <laughs> um, before that, I just thought we were a team that had a lot of goals in us, but we are a very very good football team. I mean, le- legitimately, really. I mean, we haven't got all the stats at hand, as we said, but. I, th- I think as far as those five players go, where where so we've those... done the BBCs, we've done the MSNs, we have pretty. I mean, yeah. I mean, for a minute before we began recording, we we had this brief chat, and I thought you were generally talking that Rovers were better than some media networks <laughs> in football. But I realised these are acronyms for now. For uh, the thing is, as well, it isn't just about stats as well because I don't have any in front of me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's handy. Yeah. <laughs> it's also about the about the feel. As well, yeah. the team because they do look like they're having the time of their life. Mm. Um, at Yeovil on Saturday, Cops Coppinger was just—I mean, he was just. It, it might have been 
the best, I think he got taken off for about 75 minutes, but it might have been the best 75 minutes I've ever seen him play. You know, yeah. like, you know that's parallel with, you know, the, uh, that Southend game all those years yeah. ago. Like, he was doing things that actually took my breath away. Just hitting passes with bits of his foot that I've never seen anyone, like, play footballs, <laughs> you know? Like, they just look like they like each other and they've got each other's backs. And yeah. I feel like you can always measure the, the, the well, certainly this season the success of Rovers on, on how ridiculous Marquez's celebration is you know <laughs> that stupid walk seems to be getting steadily uh, progressively more stupid and it's, <laughs> and it's tied to how good we are I mean that's I mean you've got to be confident when well, you're when walking like yeah, that you know you've had 17 opportunities to hone your celebration <laughs> yeah, as well, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. his goal as well his goal on Saturday was just uh, it was just one of those goals where you were just like like, if he'd missed, you would have been like, don't be so greedy. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like... But it's not It's not the first time he's done it because he did it against uh, Wickham earlier in the season. This, where... was, this was more ridiculous, though. <laughs> I, I mean, mean this I, is, I, he just mugged... Like, every, he just mugged about eight players off. It was amazing. There was... Because I I wasn't there uh, at Yeoman's side. So I sort of saw the highlights of the game. And obviously, knowing the score and knowing who scored the goals. And you sort of... When you watch highlights, you're like, oh, is this going to be the goal? And you... When the ball sort of played down the line and Marcus starts running after it, you think, well, this can't be it because yeah. he's 60 yards yeah. from goal and there's now yeah. four defenders between him and the goal. Oh, no, that, no, that is the goal. There we go. Um, it, it were almost, um, I know we're jumping ahead, of each other, uh, jumping ahead really, but like it were almost like boring in places because in that first half, it was like, I mean, it were over. You know, yeah. it were like random to the sword, like finished them off and then the second half was just you know kind of boring because it was game over I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say because like the games against Barnet and Crew were effectively done and dusted in 15 minute spells Barnet in particular where you know we Coppinger level equalised and for the next 15 minutes Rovers clicked did what they needed to do mm. and the second half was just sort of a 45 minute yeah. exercise in just being careful the ball didn't go in our area too much. And, just, and, and, and Crew the week after, although Crew had a spell where they had a few chances, and credit to Lawler, who we'll come on to for making a few good saves, you always felt Rovers had it and, and had an extra gear if it was needed. And that was the talk with like the lads I watched the game with against Crew in, you know, after the game was yeah, Crew had a spell, but no one was worried. It was like, you know, if if okay, if they nick a goal, we'll go down the other and we'll probably score two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just to sort of like draw on the parallels again with last season, I think that this this spell and, and looking back with with the sort of last season's form and all the red boxes and the odd occasional draw in front of us, just really does emphasise the importance of the mentality of the game, how yeah. the mind affects it all. I know that a lot of teams now have these uh, have you know sort of the uh, what's the monkey uh, the the monkey management um, the chimp management uh, guy. When it's, it's done Sullivan. You've never heard of him? He's done a load of teams. I mean, the fact that they're both looking at you like yeah, yeah, you've yeah. gone off on a tangent. A football team managed by a chimpanzee? Yeah, it's a chimp managed by a strategist. You so sure that's not an episode like the Hurricanes? It feels like it might Could have been the Hurricanes. It could have been. No, it's definitely, there's a, I'll, I'll find you his name. He goes into these teams. No, he's got that. all kinds like, of success. Like bubbles. So have you ever heard of, 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 basically, it's trying to manage the side of your brain that's sort of like, 
is all erratic and isn't isn't all right, the human okay, side, right. you know? It's yeah. not that, is this not why that, we've started defending though. corners by swinging on tyres from like the uh, crossbar? Right, well, makes some sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so you're talking psychology? Yeah, I'm talking psychology. Right. There's a guy who goes in and he was with England in the World Cup, much good that did us, but still oh, he was okay, there. Right, right. But he has had some success stories, and I, actually, I think the England uh, case in point is is a good one, just because. You can't really, it's not something you can teach or whatever it right. is, you know. There's, there's nothing you can do that would, would be any, anywhere comparable to three games on the bounce um, in terms of winning, you know. And for the last two Got seasons it. before yeah. this, we never had that. And that three games on the bounce has been the difference this year. And now you look, you look at them and it's easy, you look unstoppable. Yeah. Whereas last season, just you didn't know how we were going to do it. And that extends around everything and I think I mentioned it in the in if not that might have been the last podcast might be the one before actually but the, the Orient game previous seasons particularly well particularly the season before if that had happened you'd have thought well this ain't our day that's a loss but even 1-0 down hitting nothing going in it felt like something will go in soon because we, we're in that state now where everyone just feels a lot more confident both both on the pitch and in the stands which which helps because then you don't get the people in the stands getting on the back of the players as quickly when something does go wrong. I guess it's like... I mean, the thing with Darren Ferguson, I mean, obviously he's like the son of the devil. But, like, he is obviously beloved by the first team. Yeah. And I think the thing with it is that there are players, and I'm not going to name names because we're top of the table, so why grumble? But there are players in that in that squad. I mean, they've been around yeah. and they haven't really had a run like this. So it feels like he is getting... Like the very best out of players that maybe a lesser manager yeah. wouldn't be able to lift. I don't know whether that's because he's a bit younger, whether it's like he has achieved things. You know, I don't know whether they respect his his devil father. But <laughs> I hope you don't listen to this. By the way, I hope I don't get banned from the ground. But he's he does feel like the other players are, are, lift, are lifting some of the less players yeah. up. You know, I think on that five aside thing, the thing that's interesting about. I mean, I really enjoyed sharing that. And we just clarify for those that don't know, this is like the, the, the stats of Rovers' key five players. So, Marcus, Coppinger, Tommy Rowe, Andy Williams, um, Liam Mandeville. It's their, their combined goals and assists total yeah. is what was led to the, the graphic that was being shared around. And it's the best five-a-side team for what? For those sort of statistics. Everyone, you need an angle. That's, that yeah. was the angle. But I do think that you do look at those positions... Um, from you know the teams that we've seen in League Two, and um, every team would want that player in the, in, in their positions, you know. So yeah. I know, yeah, that, I know you 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 flagged that, Jack. Um, just on whether for the flip side of that is our Rovers relying on those players too much to deliver them through. Yeah, I think that that there's a few in there that that you could say that maybe have been carried, you know, especially in defence. So if you look at early season and, and like towards now, and those sort of you know the, those those potential cockups that are still there and could still potentially turn a three-one win into a, a draw, um, those players are still in there. And I think that we've got. I mean, again, we're going to come on to it, but I think that that we've done well signing a decent, a strong keeper. Mm. In, the defensive frailties throughout the season have been carried on the back of the fact that we've got five players who can score more than we can, can concede. So I think that there are players. Mm. That have been carried to an extent. But I, I would say that it's it's almost not it's not those five. It's whoever sits in those most attacking five positions of the Rovers system. 
it, it's you know it's the sum of the parts as much and it just so happens that those are those five are the most regular that okay Mandeville maybe not so much he's excelled when he's been given the opportunity but you could quite easily you know you lose Coppinger and Mike Blair goes further forwards you've got Conor Grant in there now where you didn't have him before there is good you know yeah. and it's not I don't think there's a reliance on individual talent and ability we're lucky that we've got if it was just Marcus getting the goals yeah and he he had seventeen. He got seventeen goals. He got Marcus and seventeen goals. The next nearest player had three, four, whatever. Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd be worried because you lose that player, you're gone. But you kind of feel like the moment, even if you lose Marcus for, for as emphatic and incredible as he has been, there's someone else we can shift a bit with those players. There's someone else can come in and Mandeville when he's fit and still make it, you know, make a real difference. I mean, but then draw parallels again to last season under the same manager mm. and ask, was the system that different that that without those players we were that bad? No, but it's, I, I mean, I, I was I was saying on the last podcast that I uh, I, I just think there were players who wouldn't, who wouldn't play for him. I'm sure that there is some kind of David Peace esque damned United novel that can be written about last season. I would I would <laughs> love to know what was going on behind the scenes because. I do think they were they were a bit of a, a bit of a player revolt though. Yeah, maybe again to draw a mentality, which was a nice little segue to the. Yeah. I wanted just to validate what I was saying earlier <laughs> with the fact that it was Steve Peters and the book Chimp Paradox that let him uh, guide Ronnie O'Sullivan or helped him to his fourth and fifth successive World Snooker titles. If you said the Ronnie O'Sullivan guy, I would have known who you meant. Um, did I bring? Did I say about Ronnie O'Sullivan? Well, he's not going on about chimpanzees and stuff. <laughs> He also helped the Olympics teams and is in uh, is with Liverpool. It's yeah. remarkable. Oh, oh, that's 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 a, a remarkable memory you've just shown that you weren't at all reading that. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, I, but I mean, there's something in it for Liverpool, isn't it? Like that club feels good. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that footage of him the other day falling over playing virtual reality snooker. It was amazing. Um, no, I, the, the other thing is, I just going back to what you were saying before, Jack. You were saying about them relying. On those five players, I do think like Fergie deserves good, like good mm-hmm. Fergie, not evil Fergie, like deserves credit for the fact that he's accommodated all those players as well. You're absolutely right because certainly before the season, like Marquez, for example, and I, I, I never saw that coming. You know, no, he's no, been accommodated totally. that well in that team. Um, Mandeville's had his chance. Uh, Williams, I would have probably said, would have definitely been up there. He's probably one of the only ones that I said five strong players this season. Williams probably will definitely be in there. But Mandeville, Sean, Marquez has really just 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 gone in there. And then you know for the other two, I'd probably again wouldn't have been there. So I think it's been a very accommodating system. Yeah, I saw Andy Williams on the platform. Uh, yeah, look. It was quite. Um, I mean, there's more to this story if you want me to. Continue. No, you go for it. Go for it. Did you just nodding? Because otherwise, that's a very empty anecdote. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. There's a buzz about. I mean, there's a column in it in the fanzine, like every issue about seeing Rose players out and about that you call for submissions desperately. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I welcome that. But it's I feel exciting, right now. Though, you need it? to. You need to deliver more. Well, the thing that I found quite amazing was I was still on the platform with him, and I didn't want to bother him because. Well, I didn't want to bother him. And also, I, I was reading quite a good book about murders. And, uh, but he <laughs> so was that why he was slowly edging down the platform. <laughs> he wasn't doing anything though. He was. Uh, he wasn't listening to music. He wasn't reading. He was just sat there, sort of staring ahead. And I was wondering whether I don't know what that said about him. To be honest, Cont- contemplative. Yeah, just looking ahead at a desolate. 
you think he was sat there thinking, uh, isn't that James McMahon off the uh, no, I don't think he, popular no. stand? Didn't he used to be a games master? <laughs> no, no, exactly. No, I, he, um, I just thought that was very strange, to be honest. Yeah. I once saw Martin O'Neill at Southampton train station and I went and sat behind him on the way back to neb on what he was saying. I... Is that weird? Probably. Not really. I saw um, Clem. Followed him home to his house. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> that was I saw Clem from Five Live. You know the guy who patronises fans. Him. You hate I him. Can't stand him. But I'd just written a piece about how I can't stand him, and then a week later he was stood on the platform next to me at Doncaster. He was coming back from Huddersfield. I sat in the same carriage as him and started sort of tweeting what he was up to. That probably is weird. But the weird thing was, someone else in the carriage started joining the tweet, so I didn't even know who was sat the other side of him. <laughs> wow, that is magic. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I saw it's a simpler time. <laughs> we can keep going. I was uh, having a cigarette when I was in sixth form, and I was around the back of the swimming baths in Arnthorpe, and me and my mates were smoking, and all of a sudden, Colin Douglas came running around the corner, huffing and puffing. He'd been out jogging. And he was like, you shouldn't smoke, lads, and carry on running. <laughs> so that was pretty good. Was that during like the Rovers period of uh, community awareness where they just send players running around the neighbourhood? Mate, you don't... To s- shout instructions. You don't set the uh, then record Two minutes later, for... Gary, Gary Brabin jogged past you. Don't do drugs. <laughs> oh, no. Sumo would have said, he's one of them. Um, maybe. Um, you don't get the then record appearances for Rovers if you enjoy a SIG. I know, I know it was a different game, but, you know, Fair enough. still... Um, have you seen a Doncaster Rovers player at a train station? Tweet us at Viva Rovers. And let us know. If it's... Sorry, I said that like I was looking at you. Yeah, you went to reply. I was talking into the mic. Um, tweet us at Viva Rovers and let us know. And Jack, you can save yours for next time. I'll, I'll send it in. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's the only way you get anything said on this podcast. Yeah, can't get a word in it. One thing I will say for all the for all the stats, and it goes back to what you said at the very start of that is the feel around the team mm, and the squad mm. and everything. And I think the, the the strong comparison is to last time Rovers were in this division, 2003-04. And I would I would say that that team from 2003-04 was the most effective Rovers team I've I've seen, you know, for the level they're at comparatively. Um, and I think this team is beyond that, way beyond that, in terms of just how, how good they are. The team that went up from this league last time, no, actually, no, I'm thinking about the team that went up from League One. The championship, I would say, and it is hard to, it's hard to sort of gauge this or give it like total credibility because how do you even judge this? But mm. just going on feel and watching them, I think this team's better than that team. Looking ahead then, and what is next for this team, and what could test them in uh, in February? So we've got six fixtures coming up. Of those games, what do you think? Where do you think the tests lie? And I would say Newport would be a tough place to go because there's no telling as to what sort of surface you're going to play at. But I still think it's highly, it's not highly likely to not day. take place. Yeah. I've booked, a, I've booked a meeting halfway. That's my way of getting there. Yeah. So I hope it goes ahead. Um, but it's a sort of rush to get back. And I think that that's a potential banana skin because of that. Yeah. Friday night is another thing. Yeah. I, I think that affects it as well. And obviously you've got Carlisle Lewin. Yeah, Carlisle away is obviously... A big test, but their their forms they haven't won in January, so their forms really um, tailed off. Is that is that under the lights as well? That's a Tuesday night. That's a Tuesday, so yeah, I think Valentine's Day. Um, I really, I thought I sold it quite well, actually. You were trying to go, weren't you? For would, you like, <laughs> would you like a week in 
the Lake Districts. Is it the Lake Districts? It's near enough if you're trying to sell it to someone who doesn't really want to go to Carlisle. Last week in the Lake District, she was born there as well. It was all part of my argument, mm. but I will be going. I think uh, Bunton Park is, is known for being one of the most romantic football grounds in the country. Well, it's funny you say that, because that, that was part of my... <laughs> <laughs> and I've also just made that up completely. Um, Luton at home, another tough one. Um, Luton, strong side, but they also, Luton also got one of the best away records in the division. Yeah. They're just, just slightly worse. All, not quite as good as Rovers are away from home. It's probably a better way of phrasing that than rather slow. I think fourth best in the division away from Well, I mean, they humbled us, didn't they? That they did. Half, like, at theirs. But I think... I think Rovers have moved on a lot from that game at Luton. Yeah. Um, because oh, we, were, we were brilliant for 20 minutes at Luton and then terrible for 70 minutes. Oh, by the way, I got there for kickoff on Saturday. I mean, there's no one to verify that. No, nope. <laughs> you saw my full 90 minutes of the match. Um, but anyway, I was there just seeing that. Did you see James McMahon at kickoff at Yeovil Town? Yeah. Tweet us at, at Viva Rovers with photographic proof. I was, I was right behind, right behind the goal, me and my big brother. Look for the murder books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, Did you edge away from a man reading stories about murder? Huge part. Yeah. We, we've mentioned, we have mentioned the new signings and we'll, we'll go into the, the more because we've mentioned the goalkeeper in, in Lola, which was a surprise signing and came, I would say a surprise signing to come out of nowhere a little bit. Obviously, Rovers needed a goalkeeper with, yeah. with Mark Cameron getting crocked, crocked against um, Portsmouth. Um, and I think everyone thought, oh, well, we'll probably sign someone on a three-month loan to cover that absence period. But we've signed what looks to be a very good goalkeeper on a on a permanent deal. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the surprise, the latter half of that. Yeah. It wouldn't be surprising if he joined us at the end of the season, but yeah. it, would, it is a surprise that he signed. And a very good signing at that as well. Mm. I mean, again, Lord Fergie is... is we, um, I think, what gave me real confidence about uh, the, the start of the league too was was how quick he was on the on the transfer market. Mm, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's how, you know really good intent. Um, and again, to go in for for, for this guy, and actually to to an extent Alfie May as well, because Alfie May had the pick of a few. Mm. Um, again, that's he's, he's he's played the transfer market really well um, both times round. I think they've been tremendous successes. And from what I can see from Lawler, it's, it's, um, and also from his stats as, as well, it was a tremendous signing, especially when you've got a leaky defence, to yeah. have someone there who can boss them about and actually, you know... He was he, he started off, he started a bit edgily in his first game against the Barnet, sort of first time. He wasn't helped by getting a, a horrific back pass from, from Mel Mason. Oh, there you go, yeah. Um, but he, sort of, he made a really good save late on against Barnet, which would have done his confidence well I think and then against um, Crew the week after he made some he was very unlucky to concede the goal against Scotch he made a brilliant stop on the first step and they turned the rebound in and made a few good saves I don't know how he was it he over no, was he, he tested or yeah yeah he um, there was, uh, he pulled off one really good save there was another save that he had a bit of luck because it came off the posts and he was just there to collect it but mm. he um, he looks like assured for like a young lad yeah. I mean to be honest I was you know, I hope, I hope he, you know, comes back from injury like as soon as possible. But I was not the biggest Morosi fan, so I was quite excited that we signed the goalie. Yeah, I think I think that's I don't want to assume for you, Joe. But I think if I recall right, that's kind of unique actually across all three of us. Is that I feel like Morosi's done very well this season and been impressive, but felt like the goalkeeper position could be strengthened. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's too it's too early with Lola to sort of know whether yeah, true. you know he's that you know that player that you just feel you know really confident about. But 
early days and looking good. Yeah. Um, the other signings, of course, in in January, you mentioned Alfie May. Obviously, we've not seen much of him. Um, but sort of, for me, in my case, five minutes at, at Barn. Did he feature on Saturday? Uh, not that I remember. No. But I, I do have to say... He's gone by then. No, I was there <laughs> till full time. It was freezing. I will say, though, there is there are three new Rovers songs that I heard that are amazing. One of them is the tune of English Civil War uh, by The Clash, and that's about John Marquis, and it's when Johnny goes racing down the wing, hurrah, yeah. hurrah, that's amazing. The other one was Matty, uh, Matty Bowdry to the tune of Lip Up Fatty by <laughs> Bad Manners, which went Matty Bowdry or Matty Bowdry, Matty Bowdry, that was amazing. Uh, and whoever the lads were that were skanking on the terrace, oh, I really want to be mates with them. And uh, obviously there is, uh, who's the greatest striker in the Football League, it's you, John, yeah. John which was amazing. But I swear I heard a song about Alfie May and I can't remember the words. I was trying to remember it on the way here and I was thinking that says a lot about where Rovers are at right now, that pub team having a laugh vibe mm. in that a player who really hasn't, really doesn't deserve a song yet has a song. Yeah. A bit of a cool hero already, I think. Um, my, wor- my worry is, you know, Curtis Maine and Jace, but I think that may just be something to do with his haircut. Yeah. I think the thing, the thing with May is, is that it's kind of like, it's because of how well Rovers are doing and because he's come from non-league, it's pretty much a low-risk signing. You know, if he, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he does something, if he turns out to be great for us, brilliant, what, what an achievement. If he doesn't, well, we have a look, we tried, it's not worked out, there you go. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like you, Rovers can't really lose from that because of the position they're in. It's not like we, we desperately needed a forward. It's, it's, it's going to be hard for him, though, mm. you know, just because of who's ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think oh. that, that that's that's a really good point. Conversely, because I, I puts, think puts pressure on those that are ahead of him to keep performing. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I think that his goal record speaks for itself in the non-league. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody's searching for the next Vardy, and and um, the only thing that you've got to do now is that in making the step up. Obviously, it's really key to get get a bit of match experience, mm. and, and that's going to be hard to come by when. Marcus and Williams and, 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 and are doing the job. Yeah, especially second half of the season where you haven't got things like the Checker Trade Trophy to begin yeah, the that's it, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one being, of course, um, Conor Grant, who obviously is known from his spell previous season and from what I've seen of him so far this time around, he looks just every inch, looks like he's just carrying on from where he left off in the, sort of something the first end of his spell last time around. Um segue that from from sort of young Premier League talent on loan at Rovers into something you wanted to talk about, James, which is uh, Ryan Mason and his I, his unfortunate uh, injury. I just I just felt really sad when it happened. That was the only reason I wanted to raise it because he was a player that I just loved in a Rovers shirt. Mm. Like, just, I mean, admittedly, he did look quality because he was quality. <laughs> um, I was over the moon when he came on for fifteen minutes for England. He was like one of those players that like I just felt. Like a bit of an affinity with, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. Like, I mean, you don't have this problem because you support a successful international team, but um, having an interest in the national team, like, my biggest problem is I don't really care that we continually flatter to deceive and, and, and fail miserably. I just want to like the players in the team, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and Ryan Mason is you know a player that I liked a lot. 
I can, I can empathize. So get well soon, Ryan. Yeah, no, it's uh, absolutely shocking. I, I joined you on Ryan Mason as a player at Rovers. I thought he was fantastic. It was very much a Sean O'Driscoll signing. In, yeah, in yeah. the type of player he was and the way he slotted into that team. I yeah, think he was yeah. unlucky with us, Mason, in that you know O'Driscoll left, and yeah. then there was the all upheaval of of Saunders and Etal coming yeah. in, and, and he yeah. suddenly wasn't wasn't deemed worthy of a, of a place. It was a shame, but yeah, shocking as you. The frustrating thing for me with the, the Mason injury was obviously the way it was reported and covered in in the press as a sort of means to get tweets and interactions, which seems to be the way with most things these days. It's sad to see it going down that route where it's even the case of the player's injury, you know, and you're seeing stories in in papers that I thought the mirror, which I thought better off to be honest, like where they're clearly trying to get hits you know like following up a story about his injury with a story that is who is Ryan Mason because that's exactly what people are going to be searching for when it trends on Twitter well you know I mean we all you know work in media to varying degrees and there is like a business model there that is totally vacuous and Mm. unsustainable but that's where we're at mercifully he's he's doing better than the initial report suggested it seems yeah 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 totally there was a thing I mean this is a totally different topic but I was hearing like you know when I heard I was like I I wrote this excellent nice because you Mm. know he's a a small but significant part of our history and uh, I was really pleased with Rovers because you know I can't praise the club enough for the way they deal with like social media Mm. and you know run their website now but uh, it was a bit weird I was hearing this stuff that there were some clubs that were talking about doing like a minute's applause for him and stuff and I was a little bit like do you know what I yeah, mean yeah. it's too much yeah. beyond you he just needs an, it's like the whole um, Brazil in the World Cup was right. it who was it who got injured was it Neymar and they went out holding up shirts of him for the anthems for the next game oh right okay. when he'd just gone off with an injury <laughs> you know yes yeah. uh, a bit too far um, can I just say though during uh, the Oval game on Saturday where the entire crowd, the enti- entire away in, started singing as only one Paul Mayfield mm. in light of uh, him having some really sad news in his life was just, um, yeah. it made me so proud to be a Rovers fan. It was amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, in, in terms of like fans and, and, and player and club interaction, that sort of moves us on to the to the other thing I wanted to talk about which was sort of mem- this was asked for by uh, Mike Mike Follows who writes for the fanzine as well um, when I asked for people to suggest topics for, for this episode and he asked sort of uh, to talk about any great interactions between fans or the terraces of the stands and players and or sort of management on the pitch during games that stood out to you or you remembered or enjoyed and I'm looking at getting some black faces I, off no, you I, I was struggling when I, when I looked at the notes beforehand. Yeah. And there was, there's only one, and it's not, it doesn't really qualify under any of those. But, but I can remember when... Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's remotely on okay, the so it's okay. But I can remember when uh, when Donny played Scunthorpe at Bellevue, and it was, I'm sure it was in the Cup, and it was a really sunny day. And the two mascots, Scunny Bunny and Donny the yeah. Dog, Donny the Dog was sort of like um, showing off this, this Rover scooter. And he was sort of like driving it around the game at the ground. I don't know if you even remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. But I can remember that they they were they were getting a bit like because he kept almost knocking him down. Well, he, he crashed it, didn't he? Yeah, it when, yeah, yeah. It was in the days when Andy Liney was uh, sorry to spoil the illusion, kids. But when Andy Liney was in the Donny Dog suit, yeah, oh, yeah, and it was uh, somebody could win this scooter. It yeah, was a giveaway for like, of course with bikes or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Donny Dog was sort of <laughs> around the pitch. 
And I imagine it's not the easiest thing to do when you're wearing big novelty feet. Yeah. Just keep control of the moment. He's only got a bit, tiny little walkway between yeah. the pitch and the stand. Anyway. Off onto that I could track. see that coming within like a whisper of them two literally ripping off their heads and then just, <laughs> just going Donnie the Dog and, uh, and Scunny Bunny going at it on the sideline. That would have been something. Uh, but, uh, but that's that's all I had. To follow your tangent of, uh, of Donnie Dog episodes back in the Andy Liney days. Um, at the risk of dropping a minute but I think most people know this one pre-season tournament for Rovers away at Gates it was held at Gateshead it featured on Rovers, Gates and I think Bedlington and some Scottish side and obviously Gateshead's in the international athletics track yeah. uh, and Rovers fans Seth said had made a weekend of it uh, for this tournament so by the time the final came around people were a bit worse for wear including the man in the dog suit who spent a long period of the uh, of the final whipping the crowd up and doing the long jump into the pit at Gateshead International Arena <laughs> while the game was going on behind him. Um, who is Donnie Dog now? I don't know. <coughs> if you know, yeah. let us know. Tweet at Viva Overs, help us spoil the magic for more people. <laughs> no, but they, they don't care though, do they? This no, I, I did once go uh, Cheltenham away. Uh, I walked into the uh, to the gents before the game to see the head of Donny Dog <laughs> on the sink <laughs> and the rest of Donny Dog. <laughs> not, make... not cocking leg, as it were, but, um, <laughs> using the facilities. It winds me up. I, I just, it's the disrespect for the, like, the backstory that I have a problem with. Like, if you're going to be, like, an anthropomorphic football mascot, I want a, I want some backstory. I want, <laughs> I want that explained to me. What, how you became a giant dog in a kit? Or? Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> Is that not... Am I the only like person? Like a dog ate a radioactive mini kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, like, a, like an origin story. <laughs> well, you can work on that for your next fanzine, please. <laughs> well, it's... It sort of breaks my heart a little bit for you not to remember that I did write about that a couple of a couple of years ago. Oh, well, you all write so much stuff; it's so good. How yeah. can I remember anyone? Yeah, of course. Oh, shit, you did, yeah. No, I definitely did write a big piece about kind of why I hated Donny Dog. Yeah, but not about you didn't give him a, a, an origin backstory, though. Did you? No, I didn't write. That's, not that's my, what. Yeah, it's no, not my, I know you're not, about it's Donny not Dog. my job, is it? <laughs> um, fun to player interactions because I've written a few down and that was what Mike asked for so I'll, I'll bring them in yeah go on um, but Greg Blundell was always good for interaction with the crowd I think mainly because he'd come from like quite quickly Vauxhall Motors to Northwich to Donny in quick succession yeah, and yeah. gone from playing in front of no one to playing in front of you know, 4,000 in those days back in the conference um, and there was one where Rovers were I think 2-1 up and we're chanting at Blundell, who was in front of the pop stand, Blundell, what's the score? And he didn't want to get involved in it, and they kept doing it. And he responded by sort of flagging the pop stand off with one hand and waving them off with the other, prompt, which prompted a chant of 5-2 to the Doncaster right. from the pop stand. And Blundell was laughing his head off and still laughing as he won the next header <laughs> that came his way. Um, like, you lads who were skanking yeah, on the yeah. terrace, like, literally... Like, Literally, if those guys are listening, will you hit me up because I really need, <laughs> I really need to show you away day skanking. Yeah, totally. I just want to be their mate because they're exactly what I love about being a Rovers fan. In lots of ways, you know, like my favourite times following Rovers were like the conference years. Yeah. Because it was like, it was the hardcore and everyone kind of knew each other and everyone could kind of, like like songs come out of it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, and you, you do see that with the clubs that like come in the league, but yeah. it just gets harder the, big, the bigger you get, you know. So I think I think that would probably do. 
Um, don't forget, this is this is your podcast, so uh, so get involved. And let us know your thoughts on this episode by by tweeting the fanzine that'll be rose and, and let us know anything you want to talk about, want us to talk about next time as well, of course. Um, so thanks to uh, Jack and James and all of you for enjoying another uh, another half hour or, or more in our in our company. Um, as James mentioned, we'd, we'd like to dedicate this episode to uh, to Rovers fan uh, Jill McGarry, who sadly passed away recently, and we extend our condolences to to the nicest man in football, Paul Mayfield, and, and his family for their loss. Um, so thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you again in a month or so. Oh,